You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. There are some times and some moments in a franchise's history, in an organization's history, where the rubber hits the road and you have these sort of definitive pivotal points where you feel like things are going to go in one of two directions here. I don't know if this past weekend will prove to be that, that for the Canucks, but it sure feels like it has the potential to. It was uh, a, a teary. Is that a word? Teary? Lots of tears. Goodbye to Bruce Boudreaux Saturday at Rogers Arena. Uh, we just had someone text in and said, guys, no lie. I cried watching Bruce say thanks to the crowd. This team is awful. I hate us. <laughs> us? We're just us. The Canucks. Uh, Bruce cried. The players apparently cried, and I guess some of the fans were crying. Uh, Maggie laughed, which was nice. She's such a trooper. That's you the- made her cry. Then I cried. Then Maggie laughed. She's such a little trooper. Did we prep that bit? Yeah, we prepped that bit. There was a lot of crying going on. Except Maggie. Uh, this weekend around it, she is such, such a little trooper. She is such a little trooper. Uh, the Canucks also lost on Saturday, 4-2 to the Oilers, their 10th regulation loss. Oh, yeah. In their last 12 games. Guys, I don't think this team's going to make the playoffs. They were. There was a hockey game. All the while on Saturday and Friday, and basically for the entire week, or maybe two weeks, or let's be honest, the last year, people have known what's going to be coming. Bruce Boudreaux was going to be fired, and certainly we knew this in the last little while, he was going to be replaced by Rick Tockett. And it seemed like the entire world was teeing off on the Canucks and the way they were treating the beloved head coach this is how the Hockey Night in panel, um, Hockey Night in Canada panel, um, I don't know, I can't quite remember where it was in the broadcast. It was Hockey Day in Canada. I think it might have been in the first intermission of a very entertaining Leafs-Habs game. Um, and they all knew, like, all right, we're going to have to talk about the Canucks, as we seem to do every Saturday. Mm-hmm. And so this was this was kind of leading up to all this. Uh, this is what the Hockey Night in Canada panel had to say. It's cruel. Uh, I couldn't take my eyes off the fact that on the backdrop, it's on the night where they have hockey talk. So they're promoting the conversation about mental health. And yet this is what you're doing to one of your employees. It makes no sense to me, right? Because you can see the hurt in Bruce. And he's a, he's a really good person. So if you don't want him, just get rid of him. Don't do this to him. Uh, I've been around the game for a long time. And this might be one of the most bizarre years I've seen by an organization. Mm-hmm. I think for all of us, we're witnessing um, how hard this is, how hard it is on him. And to finally acknowledge that, he's saying, you know what, of course I'm aware, but f- for him to show how much it's affecting him. And he's made comments on how much he's had to rely on his wife and, and to understand that regardless of any strategic decisions or business decisions that are happening with the organization, these are decisions that are affecting people and they're humans first. And I think he's showing that. So credit to the Vancouver fans and the nice chant that they mm. gave him and how touching that was for him. But I think for all of us too, it's an appreciation and a respect for Bruce on how he's handled it with such class, despite how long this continues to drag on. So they were talking about the chance for Bruce. That was from Friday. They were talking about Friday. They had nothing. They had no idea what was going to happen 
uh, Saturday night against the Oilers where it was more of more of the same and possibly even more emotional than on Friday against the Avs. The entire fan base has been so emotional. Like I, I wade into social media sometimes, and and listen, maybe I'm I'm one of the ringleaders in all this. So you know, I I don't want to say I have some responsibility for it because I think I've just I've just been handling this like. I always do with a bit of sense of humor, but also some passion for, for the hockey team. But like I, I'm wading into mo- social media and I'm like, this fan base has kind of lost its mind. It feels like a virtual riot. Yep. Like what's going on, right? It's our third one, but this one just happens to be taking place um, on Twitter. Yeah. Um, the word emo comes up. It's like people are so angry or so sad and so embarrassed. Like they're feeling all the feels and they're letting it out. And I think the national media is taking note of this and going like, yeah, this is crazy what's going on. Like this does this this is not normal yep. what's going on. Uh and then came Sunday's press release. The one that everyone knew was coming that Bruce Boudreau and although we didn't know Trent Cull uh was going to be relieved of his duties, he was relieved of his duties. He was replaced by Rick Tockett, Adam Foote. And uh, via Zoom, apparently, Sergey Gonchar, uh, the release was followed by a press conference featuring Rick Tockett, Patrick Alvin, uh, the general manager, and Jim Rutherford, the president of Hockey Ops. Um, should, we, should we go through the highlights of the press conference? Um, there is so much to talk about and to discuss, sure. and the Dunbar Lumber text line is already filling up uh, with all, you know everyone's opinions, um, most of them negative towards the Canucks, I've noted. Um, I guess we can just go through the press conference yeah, sure. as, it, as it played out. Um, we've got an entire hour here to go through what happened over the weekend and look forward to life under Rick Tockett for the Vancouver Canucks. So Patrick Alvin started by saying that <laughs> – I was laughing when he said this. He said, today, this morning, I made the decision to make a coaching change. I woke like, up and I thought, it's time to make a change. Yeah, I'm like, that's weird um, because everyone knew that you were going to make this coaching change. Uh, Patrick Alvin said, and I quote, he, that he wanted a new voice to get this group to buy in and play a different way. And someone to, quote, implement structure, accountability, and practice habits. Now, it's funny because implement structure, accountability, and practice habits. Where have we heard that before? Oh, yeah. Every time for the last year that this management group has been criticizing Bruce Boudreaux for the way he coached. But I digress. Alvin said he was asked by Tockett if it was a quick fix. And he said, for me, it's not a quick fix. Where we are, it's a lot of work that needs to be done here. Um, the cold quick fix thing, let's start, let's just stop now and okay. talk about this. Okay. The quick fix thing. We need to get an idea on what this organization actually thinks a quick fix timeline is, because I'm very confused by this. I think a quick fix for this team is two years. <laughs> yeah. They seem to think that a quick fix for this team is two months. They think, well, they think next season. Next season, next we 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 went through this a couple times last. Or week, maybe think. they think that as soon as Tockett takes over, fix it. Well, if they do, then 
one, that's nuts. And two, it kind of goes against what they said to talk it. I mean, if the, if the general manager hires you for a gig and says, look, this is going to be a long-term fix. Don't expect that this is going to get turned around right away. My reading through the, the sifting through and reading between the lines there, uh, this season is done. We're toast. We're not going to make a playoff push. We might get a bump under, with you, but we're not going to get very far. Everything is designed for next season. Implement your systems. Find out the players you like. Find out the players you don't like. Get everything ready. Have Gonchar do lots of zooms. And then when it's ready to hit next season, we're back on whatever path we want to be back on. This quote or this audio that I'm going to play is not from yesterday's press conference, but it was from <laughs> the Jim Rutherford press conference that now seems like it was 100 years ago, but it was only like a week ago. Mm-hmm when it was supposed to be about Tanner Pearson, but it turned into a state of the franchise, and the state of the franchise is not good. This timeline thing has me a little bit confused. Um, I'm going to play an exchange between Drantz and Jim Rutherford. Here it is. Jim, is there risk, or you've noted that you can't turn it around necessarily as quickly as, as everybody wants, but is there risk in attempting to bridge that gap based on where this team's at, based on your cap issues, based on how lean your prospect system is. Um, can this be turned around quickly? How confident are you that you're able to do that? What's your definition of quickly? Three years. Yes. Oh, yeah. That was more than fair. Yeah, three years. You know, I'd like to think it's, it's quicker than that. We got a lot of good players here. You know, I just don't actually had this conversation with the team in our opening dinner. And I talked to the team about we have really a lot of good players, but do we have a team? And we've never come together as a team, what a team is to win at all costs. You know, we played a game here a week ago against Colorado. And you look at how that game was played. That was played like a team that you wanted to win at all costs. How many of those games have we seen? We don't see many of those games here. And so that's what I talk about. You gotta be, you gotta be all in. You can't be half in. You can't just be happy to be in, live in a beautiful city get paid a lot of money, come to the rink and just play and go home. You know, there has to be attention to details. There has to be accountability. All those things that are very important to become a regular playoff team. And that's what we have to work towards. And we have not been able to do that at the midway point of this season. Attention to detail, accountability. Mm -hmm. To me, it's always been about the coach. It's always been about the head coach. I think Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alphine believe they've got a better roster than what the results of this season have displayed. I think it's a and fair I, analysis. And yes. I think they lay a lot of it at the feet of Bruce Boudreau. Yeah. I, I Look, this has been festering back to last season. And you and I have talked about it at length. I think the shocking thing... Really, the only shocking thing isn't that Boudreaux's out of a job because I felt like that was an inevitability for an awfully long time. It's that 
collectively, the organization let it fester yes. and fester yes. and fester to one. the point where they had one of the worst, most acrimonious, and most savagely critiqued breakups <laughs> in the history of the National Hockey League. Like, I do, here's the thing. He's not, he's not exaggerating there either. Here's the thing. I know that Bruce Boudreaux was paid very handsomely uh, to do a job that a lot of people would love to do. I'm not here to try and say that his plight is anything comparable to a bunch of real difficult world struggles that people go through on a daily basis. I get all that, right? And that's part of the gig. You get hired to get fired. That's coaching. Totally understandable. The thing that you cannot argue, though, is that this is unprecedented. What they did and the way they did it just isn't done. Nobody conducts their business this way for good reason. It tarnishes <laughs> the brand. It makes people second guess whether they want to be a part of your organization. And the hockey fraternity is small. The industry is small. These things do not go unchecked and unnoticed. Everyone's got friends everywhere. And when you're playing in a Canadian market, as all these guys often say, it gets exacerbated because there's that much more focus and that much more, uh, the, that bright of a spotlight on your organization. So that's the real thing for me. Like, I get that we're going to talk a lot about talk it coming in. And I get that a lot of people want to say, you know what? Yeah, it was ugly, but Boudreaux's been fired and turned the page. I don't think it works like that. No, we can't turn the page this quickly. I don't, but I'm not even saying, like, get over it. What mm -hmm. I'm saying is, is when something unprecedented happens, you have to take a moment and say, what are the knock-on effects going to be? Because there's no blueprint for any of it. Like, we talk about that all the time. It's a very, very predictable league, and it's a very, very predictable sport to follow. We've been doing it for a long time. I can wake up, and I got a pretty good idea of what's going to happen in the NHL. The thing that caught my eye was when they made a grown man cry twice in two days. Because and the players were already, crying. And the player, and that is something where I'm like, And Ooh. again, Maggie, like, honestly, such a little trooper. She laughed. She laughed at it. because she, She's hanging in there. She's she holding is, tough. She yeah. is terrific. Uh, speaking of the Boudreaux situation, Murph kicked off the press conference, really, the questions part of the press conference. He asked Rutherford about the handling of Bruce's situation, and Rutherford had a lengthy answer about how it all went down. And he did apologize to Boudreaux for being too direct and honest in his interviews uh, about the team structure and accountability and all the things that they've been saying about the coach dating back, I don't know, almost a year now when we were all kind of surprised to learn that, hey, maybe this management group, this new management group actually doesn't think Bruce Boudreaux is the right head coach for this team. Here's what Jim Rutherford had to say. Here was his apology to uh, Bruce Boudreaux. Why was Bruce's situation handled in this manner, and why wasn't something done sooner? <clears throat> well, when you say handled in this manner, I take it it's part of all the speculation that was out there. So I'll, I'll do the abbreviated form of how it was handled. About a month ago, well, there's different meetings during the season. But leading up to this decision about a month ago, Patrick and Bruce and I had a meeting. We talked about where the team was at. You know, we have some of our top players having really good seasons. The bottom half of the team seems to have declined 
even to the point of some of our younger players, Putz Colson and Hoaglander and these guys. And that was a concern about how how do we go forward and get all these players on board and playing to their potential. And so we had that meeting. We talked about a bunch of things. I talked about the schedule where we were at. I said that, uh, that you know, we'd, we'd really like to get through the year with Bruce as the coach and then make a decision at that point. And we'd like to see some progress. Two weeks later, we had a follow-up meeting, part of the due process, walked through a bunch of things again, and there wasn't any improvement in the areas that we were hoping for. So then it got to the point where Patrick started to zero in on it and felt at that point we had to make a change. Now part of this process, and and I will apologize to Bruce for this, is probably in my interviews over the course of the season, when people ask me a question, I'm probably too direct and too honest. And so that goes back to my comment about uh, team playing with structure, more structure, and things like that. I've done that my whole career. I've tried to be honest. I've tried to answer the best I can. And sometimes that affects certain people. And in this case, it probably did affect him. And, uh, and I'm sorry I did that. And I've learned from it. So I've decided that I need to zip it. I'm not going to talk about the team. I'm going to let Patrick and, uh, and Rick talk, it, talk about the team and, and just stay away from those things. So that was the apology. And if he could have left it at that, if he could have indeed zipped it, then I think some people would have been like, okay, he recognized that he was the one that kicked off all the speculation. It was him. It was his comments that had the media and the fan base watching so closely on this situation. It was those comments that made us all think that this management group can't wait to move on from Bruce Boudreaux. Mm-hmm. What's funny about all this, and unfortunate for Canucks management, is if they had it just, for lack of a better way of saying it, not said anything about Bruce Boudreaux or even just publicly supported him, it would have been the fan base calling for Bruce Boudreaux's firing. Yep. The team played so bad defensively this year. It would have been like, guys, get someone in there to fix this team. Bruce may be a nice guy, but they got to move on. This is not working. How can this management group have faith in this head coach that can't get his team to play defense? But because of those comments that Rutherford made, everyone knew that this management group didn't like Bruce Boudreaux that they had not publicly supported him. And even though the Canucks were playing awful defensively and not only didn't improve defensively, they got worse. The the, the management was the target. Rutherford also said, and this didn't help, that the situation played out in a way that was, quote-unquote, out of our control. And he pushed back on the notion that there was anything especially unusual about the way the Canucks made this coaching change. Long story short, he was telling the fan base, he was telling the rest of the world that you're making a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. And he even said, it was the speculation that drove this. It wasn't us. This took on a life of its own with all the speculation. Those are the quotes, which of course 
The speculation started with Rutherford's, Rutherford's comments in the spring of last year. That's what started it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And it's what's fueled it the entire time. It's what's fueled it the entire time. And there's no getting around that. We had a text in here from Joe to the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket at 650-650. And it's a little harsh, but I want to read it. Joe writes, let's be honest. If Bruce was not a cuddly old man crying, this reaction would not have been so vile. He was not a good coach. There's some truth to what you're saying here. Because as Jason just pointed out, if this hadn't, gone the way that it had gone and everyone in the front office and the executive just kept their mouth shut fans would have said it's time to make a change behind the bench it's a savvy enough market to know that if things aren't going well on the ice and they weren't going just not well (laughs) it's worse than that fans would have said we got to make a change behind the bench they did it with travis green right whatever whatever fans Travis Green had among the fan base were pretty much gone by the time he got fired. But Joe, I'm going to tell you this. The reaction that you're talking about here, this organization could have controlled all of it and they chose to control none of it. They were the reason that Bruce Boudreaux was standing behind the bench openly weeping in back-to-back nights. It didn't have to happen. Did not have to happen. It was the easiest thing on the planet to just put an interim head coach in there. Mm-hmm. Or as Jason asked for a week ago, the bird that keeps going back to drink the water. Yeah, the water-drinking bird. He's not going to cry. That guy will roll four lines, too. He like will. Willie Desjardin, like on the regular, because he's going every time he goes back to drink the water, yeah. change him up. Line change every 10 seconds. Right, but that's, that's kind of the point here, is this just seems wholly unnecessary and has gotten so out of hand and so big and so national and so toxic. And you kind of wonder why. Like, what was the end game here? Did anyone, and they didn't answer this yesterday, did anyone look back on this and say, we might have made a huge mistake in how we handled Boudreaux's dismissal? This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. I say you the, you the best. Halford and Bruff. Let's give, give a little attention to Rick Tockett because he is the new head coach now, and he was up there in a pretty difficult situation because he was up there with Jim Rutherford and Patrick Galvin, and the latter two were getting all these questions about the last coach, and he's like, uh, are you here to introduce me and ask me what I think? I don't have any questions for Rick Tockett. Hi, I'm Rick Tockett. Um, and Rick Tockett, his availability, really, I think, he, I think he did a pretty good job considering the situation, uh, considering the circumstances and, and the situation. And what he said, we'll go over it, but I don't think what he said was at all surprising given the challenges that the Canucks have and all the things that – the management group is saying had said for the last year about what they want out of a new head coach. He started out by pointing out the penalty kill and how it was last in the NHL and the overall goals against average as a major problem. And I don't think anyone should be surprised by that. Newsflash, uh, it's a major problem. So there's going to be a lot of focus on that. And one of the things he said, there are some hard rules that I have to keep the puck out of your net. The phrase game management, which Andy asked about, 
in the break. Mm-hmm. He said, what does he mean by that? It's going to be a phrase you're going to hear a lot. What it means? Making better decisions given how the game is going. For example, you have a lead, which the Canucks have had a few times. They haven't kept it, which is a problem. So one of the things, hey, don't be irresponsible with the puck when you have a lead. River hockey is another phrase you're probably going to hear. Mm-hmm. Rick Tockett likes to say it a lot. He doesn't like it. River Tockett. R- River. River Tockett. River Tockett. Here's a new nickname. Yeah. Um, river hockey is pond hockey, right? Uh, it's unstructured. It's just out for a fun skate. And here's a quote. Everything cannot be high risk, JT Miller. The way the Canucks have protected leads this season, it's hard to take issue with these comments. I thought it was interesting that he pointed out his friendship with Travis Green and that he talked about Travis Green, about the market and whether or not he should take the job. And apparently Travis Green has said, yeah, you should take the job. I really wonder what those conversations were like. Those guys are buddies. Long time. They nearly went to prison together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's looking true. back on that. It's true. Um, <laughs> he ain't they, wrong. Yeah, I'm not wrong. I'm joking. And at the end of the day, by the way, that Operation Slapshot was kind of much ado about nothing. He's but right. I digress. He's out of line, but he's right. Um, he said uh, the whole thing about his relationship with OEL was overblown, that he actually has a great relationship with OEL. We should probably ask Oliver Ackman Larson to confirm that. Um, he was asked about deleting his Twitter account, and he had a very quick answer on that. And he basically just said, yeah, well, I'm a head coach now. I used to use Twitter. Uh, as a promotional tool when I worked for TNT. Yep. And to which I said, that may be partly true, but I feel like it's other stuff too. But I don't blame him for deleting his Twitter account. He made a couple of different elephant analogies. Like he made two he made two different elephant analogies within the same thought, within the same sentence. And we'll play that audio now. And the question really was like, you know, how quickly do you have to turn this thing around? And so I, I guess he, so he's going to say game management a lot. He's going to say river hockey, and he likes to use elephant analogies. Yeah, that's the big elephant in the room, right? Like uh, all these different things. To me, and uh, I know it's an old saying, but small bites at a time. You know, we just got to go in every day, take a bite here. To, you can't swallow that elephant in one bite, right? So I think really the slow things down. Um, you know, I got to evaluate some players too myself to see what, you know, what, uh, what's out there where, where maybe some other guys can have a little bit more role, you know, to, to get some more ice time and contribute. I think that's something we got to look at, but, uh, yeah, no, it's just really small bites at a time. Slow it down a little bit. Like uh, I'm sure the players heads are spinning and uh, my job is to get their heads to like slow down a little bit and just play the game. So there's an elephant in the room over there, but Mm -hmm. you know, guys, we, we, we can't eat this. Today, small bites. We're gonna have to. Um, I don't know, like small bites. But small cut, bites. but are they gonna put part of them in the freezer? Well, no. You eat the elephant really slowly, small but bites at a time. Yeah, but isn't the elephant gonna go off after a while? It the is. Spoil. You do have to. You do have to plan ahead because it will sustain you for many, many years. Right. If you of all the things I didn't have on my bingo card for this year, <laughs> it was Rick Tockett paraphrasing Archbishop Desmond Tutu. 
So is small bites the new pecking away? Is that going to replace yep. the yep. instead That's, of pecking yep. away now? It's just small bites. Small bites. Small no, bites. I'm, I'm not even small trying. bites of the elephant. Do people eat elephants or I, is probably somewhere? I think Peter might have something to say about this. Yeah, I, I know. I know that there's going to be uh, <laughs> the obvious jokes about eating an elephant, which I think is cruel and unusual. Very befitting after this weekend. But this is going to be <laughs> the ivory dealer. Like, Dad, even the check is ivory. <laughs> But they're gonna be sure, your new president of hockey ops. This is gonna seal clubber. This is gonna be um, one of the mantras. Maybe not necessarily the elephant part, but the small bites, pecking away, one step at a time. We're not gonna be able to do this because they. If there's one thing that I think almost got lost in yesterday's presser because it was so weird and dysfunctional, is that Alvin told the new head coach of the team that it's not gonna be an easy fix, and the week prior. The president of Hockey Ops said this isn't going to be minor surgery. This is going to be major surgery. Those comments came a week apart. So there, everyone there is fully cognizant of how much needs to be fixed. The key question is, one, are they going to be able to fix it? Do they have the wherewithal and the skills and the talent to fix it? And how quickly? Because there is an impetus now where I think... I think they feel like they've wasted the basically a half a year under Bruce Boudreau. That mm-hmm. they had to let it play out like this to get to this point so they could say, okay, we're moving on. Now we've got the guy that we want. And you basically, the 2022-2023 season is going to be remembered as the one where they had to let this thing fester for a half a year to get rid of the coach they didn't want. And they were finally able to bring in the coach that they did want. And now it's about... Yeah, the timeline for me is the big thing because they've acknowledged how much they have to do, but they've also given themselves a timeline of a year or two for the team to come together. Right. And, I mean, the, here's the thing. As we talk about Talkit, um, he is the anti-Bruce, I think, in a lot of ways. I think that uh, one of the things that's probably going underreported, and after reading a few things yesterday, it kind of stuck out to me, is that... Um, there's tiny anecdotes about uh, Talkett's past where he's identified as a details guy. Like he's, he has these meetings with players mm-hmm. that are very finitely scheduled to the point where he actually keeps track of the amount of meetings that he has with players. Yeah, That's what these guys want is they want someone that is not loosey-goosey and fly by the seat of the, your pants and maybe has a little bit more, and by a little bit more I mean a lot more, attention to detail and structure and – We'll have specific answers for guys about what you have to do situationally. Game management is going to be such a profound and important thing for this group moving forward because Tockett's going to look at things like 18 multi-goal leads blown and say that is is embarrassing. And rightly so. He's going to look at a penalty kill that was dead last in the NHL and say that's embarrassing. That's the thing that I have to fix specifically. Those are the things he's tasked with doing. I think the other thing that we took from yesterday's um, press conference is that he thinks some players are playing too much. Yep. And the three of them up there, Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford, and Rick Tockett, believe that there are players on this Canucks team that aren't being utilized enough or aren't being utilized property, properly and are going to have a bigger role going forward. And part of that might just be like, we need to figure out if these guys do have anything more sure. to give. Sure. And if they do, great. We'll keep them. If they don't, then we'll find someone else. Like, sir, I just want to jump in. Did you not think it was – and again, there's so much stuff to parse through. But when Rutherford said 
It was extremely disappointing to see young players like Pod Colson and Hoaglander take a step back. Yeah, that's another shot at the coaching. But yeah, and, and so I'm looking at that and I'm saying, okay, they've obviously got a laundry list of things. They probably handed the talk and they're like, these are all the things that we didn't think coaching was doing properly. Mm-hmm. Please go do them. Well, of course, right? Isn't that naturally what you would give a new head coach? You'd be like, here's what we think. Here's your assignment. But and I, part of it is going to be like, what do you think? And yeah. but but a lot of it is going to be like, here's what we think. You know, you make a you make a job description and say. This is the things that these are the things that we think you need to handle. Mm-hmm. Starts by setting the pace at training camp, even thinking all, all the way back to those remarks right. about the training well, camp, right? One of the things he said, um, and Halford kind of touched on this and was smart to bring this up, was I think practices are going to look very different. And I think one of the things that Rick Tockett said that was interesting that maybe didn't get a lot of attention is like our practices, we're going to ch- we're going to practice those situations. We're going to say, okay, we're leading two nothing or whatever, in the third period. Let's practice that situation. What does that look like? He said, practices can't be all flow drills. And if you've ever seen an NHL practice, a lot of the drills that they do are kind of like, you dump the puck in, and then you break it out, and it's a lot of flow. It's like just getting used to doing the things that you need to do in order to get the puck out of your own end, and then maybe enter the uh, the attacking zone, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a lot of that stuff. And there isn't even a lot of pressure against the breakout in the entry into the other end. It's just like, it's flow. It's just like, all right, I, I know where uh, my defenseman is for the outlet. And then sure. I know that the center is going to come through and he's going to get the puck, et cetera, et cetera. I think, um, I think Rick Tockett is going to have some, he'll do those drills obviously, but he's also going to practice some game uh, management situations. As for JT Miller, I think it's Rick. Ta- I think it's clear that Rick Tockett thinks JT Miller is just playing too much. He said that Sidney Crosby doesn't play twenty four minutes a night. He said Sidney Crosby plays, you know, often less than twenty minutes a night, and maybe that's the way you need to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, he also had some comments about JT Miller, just how he acts on the ice, and he said, "I'm anxious to work with him." I'm anxious to talk about leadership with him. And he said, it's okay to have emotion on the bench, but on the ice, you got to be careful of your body language. You can't stop back-checking because you're mad at something. Who out there in the Canucks fan base disagrees with this? Oh, Who out yeah. there in the Canucks fan base doesn't want a head coach? I love the pacing yourself comment. Oh, yeah. So he's, <laughs> he's so, pacing himself. Buddy, really pacing yourself. Let me explain that. <laughs> buddy, I just got to take it easy out here, okay? I'm waiting for the third period. So you know how JT Miller often doesn't back check? <laughs> Rick Tockett kind of threw him a lifeline. He said, I don't, he basically said, like, maybe he's playing too much and that he needs he he feels that he needs to pace himself out there like he needs to conserve his energy mm-hmm. which got what the kids called uh, a big old LOL maybe even an LMAO oh the uh, rare lamaua lamau LMFA- out of me. LMFAO oh wow <laughs> getting dicey getting pretty you referring to those 20 second line changes where he slowly skates off the ice to change yeah. on the fly so so guys like here's the way i i, I took this whole thing I think they completely botched the Bruce Boudreaux, the handling of the Bruce Boudreaux situation. Yep. And it all started with Rutherford's comments and, you know, we, we don't need to go back and talk about all the comments that Jim Rutherford made. No, no, it was th- the speculation. It was the speculation. I, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think they completely botched that. 
But here's the house of positivity. I think they need a coach. I don't know if Rick Tockett is the right guy. We'll find out. But I do think they need a coach to teach them about how to defend better, how to manage moments in the game better. Mm-hmm. There is a question for sure. Like I, I, I admit, like is Tockett the right guy? People will say, look at his coaching record. And I will say, well, look at the roster he had to deal with in Arizona. Sure. I, I uh, Rick Tockett, you know, he might not have your respect, but he does have the respect of a lot of people around the league. Including Inc- Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin. Including Steven Stamkos. Yep. Who said that earlier when Rick Tockett was an assistant coach in Tampa Bay and Steven Stamkos was just 18 years old, he said, Rick helped me out a lot. Talk helped me out a lot. So I think that the Canucks do need a coach. Like, you can believe both things. You can believe that they botched the Bruce Boudreaux situation, but you can also believe that Bruce Boudreaux didn't do a very good job with this team this season. I think that's the, and that they need, that's the they, key thing. They needed a new head coach. They just screwed up the way they went about it. I think that's really the key thing. Joining us now to talk about the local hockey squadron and all that it brings, it's Jeff Merrick, host of The Jeff Merrick Show, along with a host of other properties on Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Jeff? How are you? Quick, talk about the Islanders. They're doing really bad. They're chanting Fire Lou uh, in Long Island. Quick, talk about the Islanders. Yeah, look at this over here. <laughs> Go look at Calgary. Go look at Montreal. Go look down in New York. It's, you know, it's funny. Actually, we spent the first hour of a sports talk radio show, and we didn't yeah. mention that the AFC and NFC title games were set until <laughs> 7 o'clock. That, and but I, oh, and yeah. I, I apologized oh, ahead yeah. of time, and I said, look, it's just not that often that you have – weekends like this from a professionally run NHL franchise because the Boudreaux thing, Jeff, and I heard you on Sirius XM this morning, so I kind of know your thoughts on this, but we'll reiterate it anyway. Aside from being harsh and cruel and unusual and all that stuff, it's also unprecedented. It, It just doesn't happen. You know, that situation does not unfold like that. It never has before. And I think when we look, uh, into the future, it probably never will, Again, what was it like to sit back, and I know you and Fridge have covered this thoroughly over the last couple of weeks, but to watch it unfold the way that it actually did with the tears and the chants and everything else, it, was, it must have been surreal at a certain point. I think for all of us, yeah. Like, I think we looked at what Boudreaux went through in these last couple of weeks, and, and it does feel, by the way, like something... I don't know whether it was, you know, momentum gathering for Tockett, something happening with Tockett. Something happened around the Winter Classic with, uh, with Rick Tockett and, and, and the Vancouver Canucks. Will we ever find out about it? Who, who knows? Um, but it seemed like there was just something, something there. Um, but, yeah, it was surreal watching, watching Boudreaux go through this because we all know you know, we all knew where this thing was headed. Like we all knew where this thing was headed going back to, you know, even before the beginning of the season, you know, we knew this wasn't Rutherford's coach and there was going to be a change at at some point. We were all curious just to see what the circumstances around it were going to be. We didn't think he was going to be left out to dry like this. Like I described it Saturday as the slow walk to the electric chair, but that's kind of how it felt. Wasn't it? Like, didn't feel like that to, to you guys like, Hey, don't, don't yeah. bother winding your watch, Bruce. You're going to the chair. Since last spring, Jeff. Since last yeah, spring. Yeah, no, I know. Like, you know? listen, you guys, are, you guys are there. You guys, you know, you guys live it every day. I can drop in and out of the store. You guys live it every day. It was, I'll tell you, it, it was awful. But the, the one thing 
that I will take from all of this, and I, I did mention this this morning as well, is that Boudreaux comes out of this with his dignity. Boudreaux comes out of it with people you know, impressed that he never fired back when he was being maligned, when he was being insulted, when he was being disgraced. Um, I'll tell you what was really tough. You know what was really tough? Watching TNT last Wednesday. And I'll have all the guys have a good, uh, a good guffaw and a good laugh about, you know, talking in Vancouver and what's going on, talk. And, oh, I haven't signed anything, but I do talk to Rutherford and Alvin, you know, my Pittsburgh bros and all that. I found that really hard to watch. I couldn't help but thinking about what Bruce Boudreaux was thinking at that point. I think all, you know, sane thinking people were probably saying the exact same thing. Now, like this is how coaches, this is how coaching decisions get made. Like this isn't, this isn't new territory GMs. And in this case, you know, Jim Rutherford who exists, you know, above the role of the general manager, have conversations with coaches. Um, once their coach is in trouble, and they want to make a change. Like these conversations happen problem is all of this was public and admitted by by Rutherford himself that he's been having conversations as well adding another layer to the embarrassment of Bruce Boudreau but he comes out of this looking so good a everyone feels horrible about him b I think everyone's impressed that he resisted the temptation to fire back like he comes out of this unscathed like this was a master class in how to handle this like this like at sports business schools, this example is going to be talked about for years <laughs> of how not, like, trust me, like there's going to be kids coming yeah. up in this industry in the next five, 10 years. They, oh yeah, we, we, we talked about this in class, like how the Vancouver, what, what the Vancouver connect, this is going to be talked about for years and talked about in, 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 in hockey management and hockey business schools for a long time. But Boudreaux comes out of it with more respect. I think around the NHL, I think people really admire how he handled himself. And I, I actually think that Bruce Boudreaux comes out of this thing looking really good. I mean, he was torn down every single turn here and all it did. I mean, he handled it with poise, with grace, with humor. I mean, here's the thing that I've always impressed about Boudreaux. I mean, you guys are there, like all those press conferences with Bruce, there is so much tension in the air at these things that Boudreaux with like one turn of phrase or one little smile just cuts all of it and hits the, the, the emotional release valve. Like not everybody can do that. Like that is a really unique skill that Boudreaux had. I don't know what's next for Bruce, but given how he's handled this and you see this very particular skill set that he has with players, your most valuable commodity I have to think that there's something out there. I don't know what it is, but there has to be something out there in the league for Bruce Boudreaux. What did you think of the hire of Rick Tockett and uh, what he had to say at the press conference? Well, first of all, I, I think it's pretty obvious that um, he sees JT Miller as a real project of his. That, you know, maybe job number one is I, I need to get, you know, JT Miller on side and I need to get JT Miller back if I'm going to do anything here. I know we talked about, you know, the goal of the season is to make sure that everybody improves. I mean, he really gave, you know, JT Miller's game a real soft landing, right? Oh, he's probably playing too many minutes. Um, oh, he's conserving energy in the game. Like, I'm going to use that in my next beer league. Like, I wasn't dogging that back check. I'm just conserving energy here. That's guys. what I do. I, I pace I, myself. I, I was, yes, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not. This isn't a straight leg back check. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm pacing myself. Mm -hmm. You see, I'm, I'm uh, conserving energy. 
Um, so I, I think that, you know, right away, the first thing that'll change is I think, you know, the penalty kill, that's obvious. I think the personnel on that is going to change. He doesn't want to start players killing penalties. Uh, I think some ice time for, for JT Miller will be diminished. Um, and I think they, they look at that, uh, that he looks at him as a real project of his. Um, like, uh, I, I don't think any of us should be surprised. I know hockey is always painted with the, oh, it's just cronyism and you hire all your buddies and all that. And I've always said, like, you know, you hire people that you know, that you have, you know, that you have institutional knowledge with. I get it that it just looks like, okay, it's the same coaches getting recycled. And now, you know, Vancouver is turning into, you know, Vancouver is turning into Pittsburgh West, much like, you know, the Los Angeles Kings have become, you know, Philadelphia West uh, in, a, in a lot of ways. Looks like that's what's happening with Vancouver right now. But I, I think that, you know, Rick had, Rick yesterday identified the projects that he needs to work on. And I think he bought himself some time right away by saying, you know, listen, Patrick said this wasn't going to be a quick fix and it's going to be long term and I'm developing players. We're not going to focus on wins and losses. I, I think he said all the things that we expected Rick Tockett was going to say. I, I will say as well, this has to be a horribly uncomfortable situation for Rick Tockett. You know, that, that first game, I don't think anyone's expecting, you know, Rick, there it is chance or talk, there it is chance. Like that ain't, <laughs> there's not going to be that because the one thing coming out of all of this guys, and you're right there, you know this more than I do. There's been a real deterioration, deterioration of trust that now exists between the Vancouver Canucks and their fans that need to be built back up brick by brick, you know, day by day, game by game. You know, someone from a, someone from another team mentioned to me yesterday, you know, put this idea in my head. So like, like, and this person was saying, I can't believe that that ownership didn't step in at some point. And he said to me, look, if the Vancouver Canucks were a stock, how much would this stock have fallen in the last, I don't know, six to eight weeks? And would something not have been done about it if this were a publicly traded company? Well, of, of, of course it would. I think we're all stunned that there was no one there was it seemed like there was no one there who could convince Rutherford that following this track was the wrong thing to do. But there was no one there that that that, that said to Jim, Jim, we can't do this. This is wrong. I know that this is not of your hand, that you know, oh Bruce is still under contract and so he's our coach, it's the coach, it's the old school philosophy. But this is damaging our relationship with our fans. This is hurting the relationship with the season ticket holders. This is hurting our relationship with um, you know, anyone associated with the team. This is devaluing the brand. You wonder what this means for players that are looking at the Vancouver Canucks uh, as far as you know, signing as, as free agents. Like This is hitting us and hurting us on so many different levels. Like We really look inhumane here. I know this wasn't the plan, but the situation has changed here. Like, you know, when situations change, you change your mind. Like, that's what normal, rational thinking people do. The fact that Rutherford, you know, was on the, the, the train tracks here and, and wouldn't change, I think is leaving a lot of people still to this day stunned. So, Jeff, we've been kind of joking around that, uh, you know, for all the people that say that Toronto ignores Vancouver, that has not been the case. <laughs> In terms of the media in the last little while, hey, uh, how many times have you started your po- your pot? Hang on, uh, on Ontario tried to send you a coach to save the Canucks here, and Bruce Boudreau, and look what you did to him. Look what you did to this mm-hmm. 
fine, fine coach from Ontario. It is <laughs> funny. You got, got, got another one from Scarborough, so you're back-to-back you're, 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 you're back Ontario coaches. So I don't know. It is funny though. I, I always, cause we always listen. I always listen to your show in the car after my show is done and I listen to you yeah. chat with Fridge and you know, that's one of my, my favorite segments and, and like the amount of times you guys have started with Vancouver, I just feel like oh, there must yeah. be people in, in like the rest of the country that are like enough with the Canucks. So here's the question have, that I no, have. No, you know what? We haven't had that. Cause it's been, it's been fascinating. Like, yeah. This is, this is the, the best soap opera going like, you know, Elliot and I yesterday before we recorded the podcast is like, no, don't go, Jim. There's like so much fruit. Like, no, don't, don't hand it over to Patrick. We don't want boring Vancouver. We don't. We don't want boring Canucks. So we always we always have this joke like, where is the Canadian tire fire? That's that's how we we put like it. That. Like, like yeah, the Canadian like tire that. fire. So you talk about you feel free to steal that, but just as long as you, you you mention us, like oftentimes it's been in in Ottawa or you know it's it's in yeah. Edmonton a, a lot and train and when the first round of the playoffs is over, it's in Toronto. So uh, where do you think it's going to go next? Like assuming that everything calms down a little bit here and Rick Tockett gets mm-hmm. to work and we just kind of see how this all plays out in Vancouver. Where does the Canadian tire fire go next? I wonder about Calgary. And first of all, um, yes, uh, greatness borrows, but genius steals. So I may have to liberate that one. That is a great saying. Uh, I do wonder about Calgary, like, you know, um, and, and Daryl Sutter and the Jacob Pelche situation from, uh, from the weekend. Um, you know, I think Ottawa is, you know, listen, the fans there are not happy. You know, they thought this was going to be a season quite different than the one that's, that's been delivered. I know Pierre Dorian's trying hard here to, to do something, but it's, becoming increasingly and increasingly more difficult and some might even say futile to try to, try to salvage this season, but we'll see. Um, but I really wonder if the next fire here is Calgary amongst the Canadian teams. Like, you know, stateside, I think a lot of people are asking questions about the Islanders. I reference that off the top. And anytime you hear fire Lou chance, you know, it's serious. Um, but, you know, the, the, the Pelche thing really didn't sit right with a lot of people. And I'm sure it didn't sit right with players. You know, everybody in that Calgary Flames dressing room remembers their first game and remembers, you know, the rookie lap and, you know, family in the stands and their first shift, the first time they touched an NHL puck on their stick and and all of it. And maybe the coach will cobble together. A, yeah, you know, it's his first game. Was happy for the kid. You know, well done. We all remember our first game. Good for him. And Jacob Pelche is always going to have that clip. And I don't know, like, I don't know what he was trying to do. I don't know what he was trying to achieve other than maybe humiliate a kid or put a kid in his place. Like he's still a rookie. Like, uh, you know, the, you know, the, 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 this is, you know, this is the big city kid. Don't get, uh, don't get too high. Don't ask me about Jacob Pelche media. Cause this is his first game. Don't expect me to cobble anything nice. I, I just think that, I just think the Flames, I just think that the, the Calgary organization, like that might have been the moment where Calgary just said, okay, enough of this. Because like, that's like really, really distasteful. And I don't think Daryl Sutter cares. Hey, Jeff, I know you got a busy morning. We'll let you go, but thanks a lot for doing this. We really appreciate oh, it. Oh, boys, no problem. Good to hear your voices again. Good to catch up. You guys be good. You too. Thanks, I thanks Jeff. I, I hope, hope it's not too boring now with all Veen. I know. Yeah, I know. Rutherford said, "Like, I will. We'll see if he if he's true to his word on. If he truly on, zips it, we'll <laughs> zipping it. We'll, we'll 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 see about that. See you, dude. Thanks. 
Thanks, boys. Be good. Uh, Jeff Merrick, host of the Jeff Merrick Show, 32 Thoughts Podcast, Hockey Night in Canada. You see him all over the place. You hear him everywhere. And now you heard him on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.